Well, good morning, everyone, the few, the proud, the non-spring breakers in the room. I'm sure you're all excited to be here this morning. My wife last night was uh, on uh, Facebook, and she was just kind of reading through things, and she said, is everyone in Florida this year? Um, It seems that way. They must have not told them that we're going to get snow, right? Like we're, yeah, I'm not excited about that at all. I'm sure you're not excited as well, but it's great to be here. Uh, in this place uh, together. And so thanks for having, uh, for coming, everyone. My name's Scott Jester. I'm on the leadership team here at Grace North. Great to have you. We're going to start today a three-part series on the topic of prayer, which is one of the spiritual disciplines uh, that we uh, shared in our last series on the spiritual disciplines. Um, And we're going to be working through the life of a guy named Nehemiah, who really understood prayer. He understood what it looked like. He understood what it looked like to engage in it. And before we get into Nehemiah and his story, I just want to lay a quick foundation on prayer um, by sharing three just foundational, basic truths on this topic of prayer. And then we'll get into Nehemiah. And the first one is this, that God desires to communicate with us. God desires to communicate with us. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He reciprocates those that seek him. Just last week, I was in a restaurant, and we had a waiter in the restaurant that um, I could tell right away that he was having a bad day. You ever had those waiters? Um, and so I thought, I'm going to cheer this guy up. And so I did everything that I possibly could to try to get him to smile, to cheer him up, to, to reciprocate um, any sort of communication with him. We were there for probably 45 minutes, and it never happened the whole time. He never reciprocated uh, communication back to me. I don't know what was going on in that guy, for, with that guy that day, but that's not how God is. God reciprocates with us. God desires to communicate with us. And the second point, foundational truth is this. Prayer is rooted in a personal relationship with God, and the purpose is to strengthen and to deepen your intimacy with him. I mean, we know this, but for those of you that are are married in the room, you know that if you don't communicate with your spouse, um, you're probably not going to grow in your relationship with him or her, right? Um, If you don't communicate in a relationship with someone else, you're probably not going to grow in a relationship, grow in that relationship. It's just how it works. It's just how it is. Communication is extremely important. Colossians 1, 20 through 22 says this, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That's a promise. And that's a powerful one. For those of you that know kind of in the Old Testament, how the, the temple was laid out in the Old Testament, where there was the inner core, the outer core, and then at the very, the very middle of it, there was this place called the, the Holy of Holies, right? And that's where, where God resided. That's where God was. Um, and nobody could go into there except for the high priest, and you can only go in there one time a year. 
um, and he would actually wear a little kind of belt around and, and uh, ch- uh, bells on him as well so that if, if he went in and he wasn't without blemish, um, he'd be struck down and they, would, they could tell that um, he was struck down because they could hear the bells and they'd pull him out with a rope. I mean, that's just kind of how it, how it worked in the Old Testament. But we know that when Jesus died on the cross, and we're three weeks away from Easter and the celebration of that, when Jesus died on the cross, that veil into the Holy of Holies was, was torn, right? Opening up the Holy of Holies so that all of us has access to God. We can all communicate to God. We can, we can move into a relationship with him and we have direct access to him. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. We have that now. And so we have this, this promise, this powerful one, um, that God speaks to us and we can speak to him and we can have intimacy with him. And the third foundational truth is this. The ultimate conversation is not just about talking, us talking to God, but listening to him as well. And this morning, we're going to be talking quite a bit about this particular truth. But let's get back to Nehemiah. So a little background on this guy, Nehemiah. Uh, The nation of Israel had turned away from God over the years after King Solomon was king. And as a result, God allowed foreign nations to defeat them in war. The walls around the city were destroyed. The temple where they worship was destroyed. And the people were removed from the city. God's people knew the promises of God. They knew that the promised land was theirs. They knew the temple was the place of worship. And they knew that if they repented, God would restore them. Well, the people did repent. And God raised up a man named Zerubbabel to bring the first wave of Israelites back to Jerusalem and help rebuild the temple so that worship could be restored. And 75 years later, a man named Nehemiah hears a report that God was restoring his people back to their homeland, but the city walls still lay in ruins. They hadn't gotten very far on the walls. And when he heard the news, the Bible says that he wept for days. Nehemiah had a deep love for the Jewish people, for his people, and he was living in a foreign land. And as he was living in the foreign land, he made his way up to a pretty high position um, as cupbearer of the king. And he was a man deep, of deep prayer, and God used him to accomplish what of the, one of the greatest feats in Jewish history, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem in a mere 52 days. And this would have never happened without his dependence on God through prayer. And this is why our sermon series here is on the book of Nehemiah and how he interacted with prayer. And so during this three-part series, we're going to look at three different areas of focus um, in, th- in specific, three different contrasts. And one is the contrasting circumstances and missions. So Nehemiah's circumstances with the mission that God has called him to. Personal prayer and corporate prayer. So prayer personally and then corporately. And today we're going to be talking about formal and informal prayer. Now what do I mean by that? Well, I see formal prayer as where we stop what we're doing in order to spend time in prayer. So we said many formal prayers, even here this morning, stop what we're doing and engage with God in prayer. And we've come here to do that, to worship, to pray, to learn, and to be in community with one another. And some of us have specific times during the day that we stop and we pray, um, both maybe personally and maybe, maybe corporately. Maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's in, in the evening, but many of us have set apart times that we get away and pray to God. 
And those are important. These, these formal rhythms, these predictable patterns are important. We talked about that in the spiritual discipline series. So that's formal prayer. Informal prayer is conversing with God as we go through our day. So it's having a conversation with God as we go through our day. And full disclosure on this, on that, I'm not very good at this. Like, this is a, a big struggle for me. This, this informal prayer thing is a big challenge, and it's something that, that I personally have really tried to step in, intentionally tried to step in in the last two to three years. Why am I not good at it? Well, I think there's a couple reasons for this. One, uh, because with my personality, I'm always in a hurry. Like, anybody else kind of fit that? Like, my personality is just, I'm, I'm always in a hurry. And two... Because my tendency is to pursue things in, in my own strength and not out of God's strength. And we're going to share a little more bit about that. I'm going to share a little more about that here shortly. But before we get into that, let's start by turning to Nehemiah chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 is where we're going to start. And we're going to read all the way through chapter 1 and then the beginning of chapter 2. So let's just go ahead and let's read that together. The words will be on the screen as well. It says this, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, when I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that has survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer and Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands... Then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Well, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servants has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen city behind, beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? 
it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal parks, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. So I just want to point out just a few things as we, as we read that, just a few things. Nehemiah heard some, some pretty bad news. The wall of the important city of Jerusalem were in ruins, and Jerusalem was in many ways a, a representation of the Jewish people, Nehemiah's people, and it was a mess. It was in ruins. It was broken. His people were broken. So what does Nehemiah do? It says that he mourned and fasted and prayed. And then we see his prayer. And it starts out with a, with a formal prayer from Nehemiah. And I just want to point out a few things in kind of that formal prayer that we see in Nehemiah chapter 1 that I think are important for us to remember as we pray personally, maybe as a small group, or even pray corporately. What were the different aspects of his prayer? I just want to point out five different areas, and I want you to encourage you as I read these areas to just evaluate where are you at in each of the, these areas, and when it comes to your prayer life, what are the areas that, that you step into well, and what are the areas that, that maybe you don't pay as much attention to? And so five areas I want to point out in his prayer. The first area is this, adoration, expressing who God is. You're holy. We just prayed we just sang worthy. God, you're worthy. You're, you're good. And Nehemiah said, great and awesome God at the beginning of his prayer. So do our prayers include adoration? Secondly, thanksgiving. Just giving thanks. Giving thanks for who he is, for what he's done, um, for the, the ways that he's, he's blessed us. Um, Nehemiah gave thanks for keeping, God keeping his covenant of love. And then confession, or confessing your, your sins to God. Nehemiah's prayer says, I confess the sins we Israelites. And it's so he is confessing not only his personal sins, but, but corporate sins as, as, a, as a whole. God, we conf- I confess that we Israelites just haven't expressed, we haven't stepped into you. We haven't fully followed after you. So confession. Fourth, supplication. Lifting up your needs. And we have a lot of them, right? This is an area that I probably historically put a lot of time into, is lifting up my, my needs. And Nehemiah said, give your servant success. And then the fifth one, intercession, or interceding on behalf of others. Nehemiah said, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants, Hear the prayer of your, of your servants. And so these five areas, as we, as we work through the formal prayer of Nehemiah, these are five areas that he stepped into, that he engaged with in his prayer. What does that look like for us? As we kind of think through that and look through those five areas, what are the areas that we spend most attention to? What are the areas that we spend least attention to? And how can we raise the areas that we spend the least amount of time on? And so Nehemiah, he, he prayed formally, but I want us to notice something in, in chapter 2. And this really stuck out to me as I was reading through the, the book of Nehemiah. It says in 
Nehemiah 2, beginning in chapter, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the, king, when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, What is it you want? And then the scripture says, Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and then I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. So Nehemiah is interacting with the king, having a conversation. The king asks him a question, and what does the passage say? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and then I answered the king. So it it seems that Nehemiah had such an intimate relationship with God that as he was going through life, as he was interacting in life, as he was interacting with people, he was also interacting with God. So his conversation with people and his conversation with God were were intersecting one another. They they weren't separated. They were were together. They they moved together. And there's also two clear examples later in Nehemiah concerning this idea of informal prayer. Nehemiah twice comments about God putting something in his heart or mind. In Nehemiah 2.12, it says, I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. And in Nehemiah 7, 5, it says, Then my God put into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people to be enrolled by genealogies. And when viewed together, these snippets reveal that Nehemiah was was someone who deeply valued the importance of ongoing prayer, of informal prayer, and who was receptive to the guiding hand of God. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to get there. And my tendency is to go through life and, and just move on to the, the next thing. Like I said before, I always seem to just, just be in a hurry and kind of move on. And, and okay, yeah, here's this and here's this. And just through conversation, just continue to go. And, and my tendency when I'm living out of my brokenness is to move and to answer in my own strength. I mean, that's, that's me. That's, that's my battle. But Proverbs fifteen twenty eight says, the righteous heart meditates before answering. The righteous heart meditates before answering. And there's a, there's a song that I've listened to quite a bit recently that for me has been really important to just simply evaluate where I'm at in this and, and intentionally pursue this, this metanoia, repentance, this, this change of mind in me. And, and I thought it'd be helpful um, this morning to just play this song together. And I just want to encourage you, we're going to play the, a song, um, and I just want to encourage you to, to listen to the words of this song and evaluate where you are at when it comes to this, this back and forth communication with God, this back and forth interaction with God, and, and listen to God for what he has to say to you in this area. So guys, if you want to play that video. So my, my wife got a call, it was about two weeks ago, uh, from our oldest son. You guys may have heard me share up here a few times that my oldest son is in Spain right now teaching English over there. And uh, one of the things as he went over there, uh, kind of a cost that he didn't fully weigh when he went over there was the fact that um, there was going to be a lot of time that he was going to be by himself, um, alone. 
And uh, I don't think he realized that um, or kind of understood the depth of that. And he's just kind of been battling that while he was over there. And uh, he was in um, Vienna, Austria. He flew um, from Spain up there and he, he was by himself. And he was in this big, it's a huge city. And he's kind of in the city and he, he was just battling, struggling with, with loneliness. Um, and he, so what did he do? He began to pray. Okay, God, I'm, I'm lonely, man. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm battling. And he's telling uh, my wife this story. And he says, you'll never believe it. As I was praying, I look up and a teacher from the school that I was in was there um, with another friend that I've been hanging out with here in, back in Spain was actually in Vienna that day, and, uh, and we hung out the rest, the rest of the day. And so he called, I mean, that evening, he called right, can you believe it? Like, like really? Like, can you believe that that happened? Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, but it was, a, it was just a cool example of, of just interacting with God and, and telling him just the thoughts and the battles and the struggles and the, the, the circumstances and all of those things. And just that interaction and how God interacts back. Um, and that was a very kind of clear and a pretty obvious way. Um, but, but God was moving. And I just want to kind of as we move towards a, a close here, I just want to share just a, a few more points on this topic of intimacy with God that Nehemiah understood and that God is calling us to. And not just calling us to, he's inviting us into. And the first point is this. God speaks to you and me through every situation, but hearing him is dependent upon our anticipating and paying attention to his instruction. In order to listen to the Father, we must persistently be of the mindset, the Lord has something to say to me, that God has something to say to me, and I'm not going to miss it. That has to be the mindset that we're in, that that God has something to say to me, and I'm not going to miss it. It takes intentionality to, to slow down a little bit sometimes in anticipation that God loves us so much that he wants to converse with us. The second point is this. God is constantly teaching us, but our challenge is to expect him to reveal himself with an open and willing heart, a moldable heart, regardless of what we're facing, and intentionally apply what he says, to obey. To expect God to to reveal himself with with just a moldable heart and a willingness to step into those things, a willingness to obey, a willingness to follow those things. There's a lot of ways that God speaks to us, right? I mean, he speaks to us through circumstances, speaks to us through um, other people, speaks to us through, through our conscience, There's a lot of ways that God speaks to us. But the the third and kind of final point on this I want to share is the best place that we can begin to learn God's voice is through his word. The best place that we can begin, if you want to step into these things, the best thing that you can begin to learn uh, God's voice is through his word. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One of the things that I've been doing intentionally for quite a few years now is, is pray reading the scriptures. I don't know if any of you guys have engaged in that at all. I want to share a little bit of what that is, and we're going to actually do that here this morning. 
But what pray reading the scripture is, is, is it's reading the scripture, reading through scripture with an anticipation that God is going to speak. So as we read, anticipate, like, like we've shared, that God is going to speak to us through that scripture. And then after we read that scripture, pray read back. So pray back into the things that God revealed to us and that God's saying in that scripture. I mean, it's, it's pretty basic, um, pretty, pretty simple, but really important for me. And I thought it would be good this morning that we would do that. I'm just going to read a passage of scripture, specifically Psalm 8, and just encourage you as I read um, this chapter, I encourage you to, to hear the words, to ask God, okay, God, what is it that you want to say in this scripture? And then respond back to him through prayer. And that prayer can be through thanksgiving. That prayer can be through adoration to him. It can be maybe confession. Maybe God can move you to con- confession. Maybe, maybe supplication. Maybe you're interceding for others or intercession. Um, but just encourage you as we read this, this passage um, to, God, what do you, you want to say? And let's just pray that back. And we're going to give about a minute for each of us individually, personally, to pray this scripture back to God. Got it? Makes sense? Um, so let's do that. I'm going to read Psalm chapter 8, then we're going to pray it back to God individually, and then Brian is going to come up and move us into a time of response. So Psalm 8 says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth.